Welcome, Capital Raisers. Today, Dr. George Azude rattled off a plethora of asset classes, and having invested in many, he tells us which one makes the most sense for doctors. We chopped it up about marketing, actively investing as a doctor, and excellence in salesmanship. Are you guys ready to raise? I'll be at the Family Office Club Capital Raising Titans event in Miami on August 1st, and I'd love to see you there. The 50% off discount code TITANS50 is still working, but won't for long. Use the link in the show notes while you still can. With that, it's Capital Raiser Show episode 277, and it starts now. Rock and roll, I got Dr. Ozude on the Capital Razor Show. Welcome, my friend. How you doing? I'm doing great today, Ruben. Thanks for having <laughs> me. How are you? I'm fantastic. Hopefully it's cool if I'm informal. I'm pretty laid back in general, but this is this should be a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Rock and roll. All right. Capital Research Show Season 3 brought to you by our friends at PitchDex.com, one of Richard Wilson's companies. Really an honor to be working with him. Let me start with this, man. Before we get into capital raising and some other things, how did you get into commercial real estate syndication and investing? Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do that. I started investing in 2016. That was my first investment into a venture capital startup, like a tech company. Also invested that same year into a surgery center, so a medical office building. I had been a practicing physician since... 2014, kind of saw the writing on the wall and wanted to start to diversify my income streams. And I looked over all types of asset classes. And that's why I kind of went venture capital first, learned about that a little bit more, decided I didn't want to do that, went into medical office building, and then really started learning about real estate through that. And then in 2018, made a push into large multifamily before that, I was planning on building my own portfolio of single family homes. So I really looked at all different types of asset classes, but this just settled on what was best for me as a busy young surgeon. What made the most sense was something more passive. And I felt the large multifamily space was a very tried and true space for syndications and passive yeah. investment. Started investing at that point into those products, got into development as well. Since that time, I've invested in approximately 25 different projects spanning from multifamily value-add acquisitions to development, to agriculture, to mineral rights. So really started diversifying my, my portfolio. When you say mineral rights, are you talking about oil and gas type of stuff? Yeah, it's mostly oil and gas. Truly, it's anything that comes out of the ground, but it's kind of an offshoot of a energy oil and gas sector because most of these mineral rights are leased out to oil and gas companies. So where are you? I know that you've invested in a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. Where are you mostly investing in right now and into the future? So now I'm pivoting, trying to get into asset classes that make sense for the current economic cycle. And also I've started a syndication investing company focused on physicians. And so I'm listening to what they care about, what kind of investments they want to get into and what objectives they have. A lot of them have tax problems. So looking for yeah. tax advantage type of assets. So oil and gas investments, short-term rentals, still multifamilies in the mix, but things that produce a higher cash flow is what we're starting to look at. So self-storage, ATMs, looking at those kind of funds. 
So tell me about the syndication company directed towards physicians. Yes. In addition to tax problems, what kind of stuff are they telling you that they want to invest in? Have they been pretty open to real estate specifically, or do you find that there's a lot of education and nurturing for them to want to invest? What kind of conversations do you have there? For sure, there's there's education that's needed. We don't really have any background in this. We we just learned medicine for you know six to ten years, depending on what you go into. And so there's a lot of education that goes on to it. I host a monthly in-person meetup. I host a bi-weekly webinar geared towards physicians and just educating them, sharing what I know, not claiming to be the foremost expert, but I'm always learning and I'm always growing and I'm happy to share along the way. What I've seen from just feedback based on communication, based on the type of deals we do and the responses we get, the interest, multifamily still a asset class that's worth sharing with them. They still are interested in that, but it seems like oil and gas is very popular because of the tax benefits that can particularly affect a W-2 employee in addition to a 1099 employee. And there's very few opportunities that a W-2 employee can enjoy some tax shielding. And so these are these are very attractive to physicians. Short-term rentals, whether it's your own, and I have my own, I have a short-term rental, but they're now being syndicated and these can offer W-2 tax benefits as well. So deals with high cash flow. I think a lot of physicians are interested in boosting their cash flow. It doesn't seem like an intuitive thing, but if the goal is to replace your physician salary with passive income, investments with aggressive cash flow become attractive. And I can definitely relate to that. Cool. And what's the name of your syndication company? Time Health Capital. I've invested with Shannon Robnett. He's with Vertical Equity and Robnet Industries. Just finished a apartment complex value add raise here in Houston with Disrupt Equity. They're based out of Houston. That's Ferris Musas and Ben Suttles. And then I'm currently raising for a deal right now. And my partner, he's the one I do my webinars with, is Bio Fasanya of Dr. Breathe Easy Capital. And then I'm part of a ecosystem in Dallas called the Real Estate Guys Syndication Mentoring Club. Okay, cool. And there, and there are a lot of folks who I've seen on your podcast who are affiliated and members of that mentoring club, like Bronson Hill and some others. So, yep. So I originally was attracted to you because you mentioned something about Bill to Rent, which is the space yeah. that I'm in. Tell us about what did you like about that? Do you still see it as an asset class that people are wanting to invest in? Yeah, I definitely am bullish on the build to rent product because it is what I call a momentum type of investment or momentum type of asset class where you see where the puck is going and we're becoming more of a renter nation. Yep. And that's a whole podcast in and of itself of why that is and all the macroeconomic forces that are pushing it that way, but it's that's where the puck is going, you know, less people are able to afford their own homes. And therefore, they still want that product, but they're going to have to rent it. You know, the build to rent model is really uh, solving that problem, right? And I think there are other factors that can kind of really allow that model to scale, especially with the modular type of homes that can be built. You can combine that with the whole build to rent model. You can really scale up and produce a large number of these very top quality communities with amenities, you know, the whole horizontal apartment complex idea, yes. I think is going to become very attractive. So I'm invested in quite a few funds in the Texas area regarding that asset class. 
Yeah, it's, it's a great asset class. And there's definitely a huge shortage of housing across the entire country. So I don't think built to rent is going away anytime soon. Now, yeah. I think I just remembered who I had talked to. I'm not sure if you've done business with Leslie Awesome. Have you worked with him in some of the physicians networks at all? Yeah, Leslie is a CRNA and he's part of Excite Capital. I know those guys. They're awesome. I'm invested in one of their deals passively. And Julius Oni is a friend of mine who I've known since medical school and residency days. He's an orthopedic surgeon like myself. Yeah, I, I know the Excite Capital guys and they're doing great things. They're led by healthcare providers and physicians. And, you know, that's what we're trying to do over here at Time Health Capital as well. Same thing. Rock and roll. Okay. So, do you find that the doctors are looking for cash flow or, I mean, other than tax benefits, what kind of other stuff are they telling you that they want? Is it back-end equity spread or is it more cash flow? Do they really have a preference? What has been your experience so far talking to them? It's It still seems like cash flow is number one and it makes sense. You know, cash flow honestly should be, depending on your season, right? Cash flow is likely going to be very high on the list. It takes risk off the table when you have a high cash flow, high cash on cash return. You know, you're starting to get some of that return back. You're not waiting for it at the end where it's a little bit more risky, you know, X amount of things can happen before you exit, right? Cash flow still remains high. I think a lot of physicians are also facing headwinds with the current medical landscape regarding reimbursements, the amount of time that they have to put in to make up the income that they want to support the lifestyle that they want. And so cash flow supports this type of investing objective. And I think that still remains number one. Tax, for sure, we're in the worst tax bracket, you know, we're in the highest tax bracket. It's definitely probably number two. And then I think depending on your season, if you're definitely older physician nearing retirement, you know, you're probably not as concerned of growing your, your wealth. You've already accumulated it and you're more concerned about wealth preservation. Mm. But it really depends. Everyone's going to be different. Everyone's going to have different objectives in different seasons. And that's why I think it's important that you have well-rounded syndicators who can invest and partner with operators who are specialists in different asset classes. And that's what we do at Time Health Capital. You know, we have access to folks who can produce good returns on appreciation gains, more conservative cash flow assets or aggressive cash flow assets and tax benefit assets, right? So I think that's the key is listening to what the individual physician is looking for and pairing them with the right operators and investments. So why not invest passively? Why are you being so active? And in- Oh, I love passive. So my, my deal, is, and it's a very interesting conversation you see on social media and at, at different meetings. It's, it's almost like we've conditioned ourselves to think we have to choose one or the other. I like both. <laughs> You know what I mean? And I think there's room for both. There's no reason mm-hmm. you can't continuously invest passively while still actively doing deals. And I know there are operators out there, well-known operators who will still invest passively. There's good reason to do so. It could, strategic reason to, you know, for tax purposes, they have access to other operators who are, they know who are good operators and good deals. So why not? Yeah put some of their capital to work. They may have higher investing capacity and therefore may be able to command some better returns than what's typically given on the return profile. Many reasons to still be a passive investor. And I still passively invest in every deal that I've been a part of on the GP side. Cool. Brings to mind Dr. Dan Hanford. 
So Dan likes to passively invest. One of the reasons is because he's a huge marketer and I can totally relate with this particular concept. And he wants to see what other people are doing and how he can improve on the inefficiencies of the syndicators that he passively invests with. Whether, I mean, typically everybody's made money in syndication for the last 10 years. The landscape is starting to change a little bit and you have to be a little bit more specialized and very good at what you do in order to continue to make money for your investors. But one of the main things that we do as capital raisers is communicate effectively with our investors because the last thing we want to do is give our investors a way to somebody that's a better communicator than we are or a better marketer than we are. Some of the best syndicators are not the best marketers and they lose people because they're not great at effectively communicating. So yeah. tell us a little bit from your perspective when you're passively investing, what kind of stuff are you garnering and adding to your tool belt so that you can become a more effective syndicator for your own deals? I'm always looking at ways to leverage technology. And I think that's a great point you made about another reason why to continue to passively invest. You can see kind of what other folks are doing out there regarding their leveraging of technology, whether it's like a communications tool, CRM tool, social media, campaign strategy. I'm sure you've heard of the technology that we're seeing coming forward with AI and, and yeah, I mean, this is, this is all super important for anyone who wants to be in this investor relations, capital raising business. You can utilize these tools to really make your systems efficient. I'm always looking at how operators leverage that technology. And so I think that's a huge reason to that's continue to passively invest. Funny enough, I think I just saw a post on LinkedIn today that said that there was an AI company that helps you find AI that helps you do whatever it is that you, so if you want to write a book, it'll tell you which AI program is best for that. If you want to raise capital, there, it's going to suggest things for that. Or if you want to do marketing, yeah. it'll do that. So that's kind yeah. of crazy how advanced it's getting. And my wife was telling me a little bit about the chat GPT-4 versus the three yeah. and the differences. It's very yeah. fascinating to me. I very, definitely yeah, want to get into, get into it. So tell us a little bit about what you've learned about capital raising and educating and nurturing and getting money in the door since you started and how your capital raising has changed and improved over the years. The biggest thing I've learned is that sales is not a dirty word. No, it's not. That's so true. <laughs> Actually, one of the bigger epiphanies that I had after taking a sales course is that I'm already in sales as a physician. Mm -hmm. It's just, I didn't realize it. I Everybody's had in sales. Everyone is in sales. And so th this was a relief to me because I kind of just always had the belief that salesmen were just not good people. You know, once I came to that realization, it took like a load off my chest. It's like, all right, I can kind of dive into this and actually... I'm super interested now in learning sales techniques, not to be manipulative, but actually to help bring my clients or my patients to the finish line of getting the help that they are looking for. You know what I mean? Absolutely. If anybody's in agreement with what Dr. Ozude is saying here, I highly recommend a course by Anthony Robbins. It's a CD course that you could find on eBay for like 40, 50 bucks. It's called Mastering Influence. I bought it for like 250 bucks, like 15 years ago. It's still very powerful. Yep. So I would go check that out. And he says the same things. It's not a sales thing. It's getting people to expose their problems. And then you providing a solution for them based off of the client's problems, not based off of what you want to do. So it's very powerful. Exactly. Exactly. That was the biggest thing I've learned. You know, I took that course last May 
right after I tried to finish, I finished my first capital raise and investor relations experience. And so I saw all the mistakes that I made after taking that course, you know, that was the eye opener for me and just got me excited about getting back at it at another, you know, getting another chance at it and learning how to help, you know, because that's what we're really trying to do. In the end of the day, we're trying to help others. Cool. In addition to technology, are there other things that you want to do to scale your capital raising business? Anything that you've looked at? Offhead, I think partnering, that's the biggest thing to help me scale is to partner with other like-minded physicians, other like-minded real estate investors to kind of synergize with each other and support each other and kind of grow our communities through collaborative effort. I think that's probably the biggest thing that I think is next to, you know, all the tech and stuff, you know? That's an interesting point that you bring up. I've come across a lot of syndicators and their avatar is almost a replica of themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. So for a physician, you want to partner with other people who you can already have access, you know, to get in the front door with them. And obviously, if you're a physician, people are going to respect you because you're in the same industry. Same thing I'm finding with sales professionals and tech employees and other guys like people that work at Apple or Facebook and relate with other people within their same organization. And those are the exact people that they try and educate and nurture about syndication. I think as podcasters or even as syndicators, we have the moral imperative to share this because private placements is something that very few people have ever heard about, right? Right. So there's not a fund manager and syndicator hanging out on every street corner, but they're actually in abundance nonetheless, if you just know where to look for them. But right. I think it's it's kind of our job to help the public understand that there is a possibility of getting into commercial real estate and other types of alternative asset classes that can help people solve all kinds of problems, including taxes. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's something to be said when you see someone who looks like you doing what you want to do. You know, I, I definitely looked for physicians who were in the space when I first started investing. And I know we're risk averse and we kind of shy away from these opportunities because we just know medicine and we don't really like to gamble. But as I saw more and more physicians, it was definitely more encouraging. I definitely leaned on them more, picked their brain more, you know, had more conversations with them. And I can rattle off a bunch of doctors who are in the space who are doing great things. You yeah, know? me too, actually. H had a few of them on my show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, right, cool. I would love to hear a little bit more about what you feel is coming down the pipeline in the multifamily landscape. Do you think that there's going to be blood in the streets and you're going to be able to take advantage? Are you of the mindset that you got to wait it out? Are you heavily investing right now? Tell us, what do you think about multifamily syndication or whatever your preferred asset class is over the next couple of years? It's really tough to call. You know, usually we can kind of look back at you know, history and look at economic cycles. But I think with Fed policy and which way they can go, it's fairly unpredictable. It almost seems like there is no rhyme and reason to which way they will take rates, which will obviously have a big impact on where multifamily syndicate. It's going to have a big impact on everything and multifamily included. So hard to say. What I can say, and this is from some of the teaching from my mentoring club is you can still buy now. You're just going to buy differently. You're going to be more cautious. If rates go up, 
then you're going to be happy that you bought. Now, if rates go down, you have an opportunity to refi. Either way, you still need to buy it right such that it cash flows and doesn't put the capital and the equity at risk, at undue risk, right? So I'm still buying now. Obviously, I'm part of a raise, two raises so far this year. I definitely have slowed down and I'm definitely taking more time and I'm definitely looking at other asset classes, but it'll cycle. You know, it's just a matter of when, like we mentioned it earlier in the podcast, we're becoming a renter nation. People are always yeah. going to need a place to live. So I interviewed a older gentleman by the name of Sam Freshman, who was one of the first guys, I think actually the first person to ever write a book on syndication is called the principles of real estate syndication. I believe he wrote it in the early seventies and he's gone through numerous cycles, right? He's, he's winding down now and he's making sure that everybody else runs his company for him at this point. Cause he's like 80 or close to 80. And I asked him throughout all these cycles, what are the biggest lessons that you've learned? And he said, all syndicators that have been through a number of cycles come to the same realization. When they look back at their career, they think to themselves, I wish I would have bought more and I wish I wouldn't have sold it so soon. And he was referencing this building that he bought in downtown Los Angeles, his first syndication. He bought it for a million bucks. And then I think it, within a year or two, he sold it for $2 million. So you're thinking, wow, a million bucks back in the early 60s, that's a big profit. But that same building today is worth $100 million. So the idea here is don't wait and buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. So that makes it a perfect time to buy real estate if you can hold on to it for as long as you can. Just kind of some things that I that I was thinking. All right, cool, man. Let's dive into the lightning round. I'll ask you some questions. My first one is going to be, how about this? Best vacation you've ever taken? I would say about two years ago, I went to South Africa. And that was the first time I had gone to Africa outside of Nigeria, which is where my parents are from. I'm Nigerian. And I got to tell you, it got me excited about seeing the rest of Africa. I want to go to almost every country in Africa now. It was just such a beautiful place. I was in Cape Town for a week and then Johannesburg for another week. Just the spirit over there is just amazing. It just hits you as soon as you get there. I loved it. I loved everything about it. That's cool. Favorite book of any kind? There's Cashflow Quadrant. I actually like it better than Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Me too. I think it's more impactful, but I tell you what, the creature from Jekyll Island. Mm. That I love reading that book. That book is is just the eye opener. So gonna say a tie between those two. That's an interesting concept that money is not actually backed by any standard. Highly recommend that book if you haven't checked it out. Creature from Jekyll Island. Yep. How much of your success do you attribute to mindset? I'd be like ninety five percent. What's the other five percent? There's, I think there is some luck, some circumstances, let's call it. You influence that with your mindset, but there are times where, yeah, you just, you get, you're in the right place at the right time and you're, you are ready for that opportunity, right? And then obviously there's all the impact of the people who are around you that support you. You know what I mean? Yep. Your family, your friends, like-minded business partners, you know, mentors, this is huge. Good stuff. How long do you want to live? I don't think I have a number on it. I think being a doctor, I've, you know, helped out treat many, many older patients. You know, I think my oldest patient was 104 years old. 
it's really not a number time thing. It's more of a functional thing. If I can live as long as I can in a healthy state of mind and body, then I'll keep it going as long as I'm, I'm happy and healthy, you know, and, and having purpose and growth. So I really don't think about a number, I'll be honest. Biggest difference between who you are now and who you were in high school? Mindset. You're just a bright-eyed, you know, naive youngster. Once you start learning the world, I'm very, very grateful to just have the mind to appreciate what I've learned and, and let that allow me to grow. You know, I think that part of my mindset has changed the most. That part of me has changed the most. It's just my mindset and how I view the world and how I see how everything interconnects and affects one thing and another. That's my biggest change, my biggest growth. Best way to raise capital from your perspective? Be a farmer, not a hunter. Educate. <laughs> I haven't just, heard that too much on this show. That's fantastic. Just be consistent. Like I'm not going anywhere. I'm gonna just keep educating whether I have one person at my meeting or I have a hundred people at my meeting. As long as it takes, I'm just gonna be here educating. That's it. Okay, cool. Tell me a little bit about the Brazilian dancing, the Zouk, yeah. the Lombada. What's that all about? Yeah, this is my number one passion hobby. And I found it in when I was a resident and it, I literally found it by mistake on YouTube. But I grown up in New York and always been kind of aware of partner dancing like salsa and things like that. But when I found this dance, it just literally captured me right away. And I felt like I knew it already. And so I devoted like the next 10 plus years to training, traveling around the world, training wow. with professionals and leading a community, growing a community here in Houston for the scene. And it's been a great ride. It's taken a little bit of a backseat now that I've started two businesses, but I definitely look to go back to it very, very soon. It's a wonderful passion hobby. That's phenomenal. How about this? Do your spiritual philosophies have anything to do with your success in business? That's a good question. And I grew up Catholic, but not super religious at all now, but I feel like I am still spiritual, you know, yeah. no, that makes it. sense. You no, know, it I makes feel, perfect sense. I'm in the same boat. Yeah, I, I do feel there's energies that are important to be aware of that mean a lot to people and how they function, how they behave. And so I do think what I say I believe in is I believe in you and me. <laughs> And that's powerful, you know, and that pushes me. So I believe in the next man, the next woman, you know, the next generation. And that absolutely has an impact on how I move in the space. Good stuff. All right. Last question of the day brought to you by Shanna Amigo, one of our great listeners. She would like to know what impact would you like to leave in the world? I definitely want to influence the next generation of physicians to realize that medicine is still a great occupation. It's a great calling. We can do it differently. Right now, the medical, corporate medical landscape is, is a challenging landscape and it affects everyone. We're all patients at the end of the day. But the lasting impact, I wanna free a lot of physicians and restore their autonomy. Very cool stuff. All right, thanks for entertaining us on that part of the show. Shout out to the Capital Racer Nation. Thanks for tuning in. Please leave us a five-star written review and shout out to my company, Legacy Acquisitions and our sponsor, Syndication Pro and PitchDex.com. Dr. Zude, how does the audience get a hold of you, my friend? Yes, I'm on all social media platforms. I'm most active on LinkedIn. You can just search my name, Giorgio Zude, MD. And then I launched the website, timehealthcapital.com. You can find our content and our track record there. And happy to answer questions and engage with anyone. 
Awesome. Any last words of wisdom for the aspiring capital raiser and or syndicator as they scale on their journey? Yeah, I would say when you really take a step back at this and look at this, you just got to almost enjoy the ride and just say, this is fun. You know, life would be boring if we didn't have all these obstacles to get over. So embrace it, embrace the struggle, embrace the journey and, and have fun along the way and make some differences in people's lives. I love that advice. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Cool, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show with that. We'll sign off. Thanks again. And I'm sure we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you so much for having me, Ruben. You bet, my man. Rock and roll, rock and roll, rock and roll.